The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. So lieu of fun, let's at least not be bored. Come on, pre-chorus. And we're live. It's it is Monday, March 21st, 5.05 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we're not allowed to have fun anymore, but we are allowed to have Professor Mike, Mike uh, Anthony Michael Kreese join us from, um, from Georgia uh, to talk about the historic nomination and confirmation hearings of uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson. And neither Scott nor I have spent any time today doing this. We had another guest planned uh, for Ukraine. And actually this is probably better because this is, you know, I had actually forgotten that these were starting today. And so this is like, I feel like we can talk about this AMK. I'm gonna call you AMK also because I kind of feel like maybe that will <laughs> like, like, it's like subtle messaging for your like eventual judicial career. Well, no, 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 no. Yes, but one of the things that um, one of the things that Scott um, Scott and I don't do is actual law. Like I would say, like, <laughs> like, um, yeah. and and the half the time, like Ben Wittes is on here, like telling, basically being the non-lawyer lawyer and like giving details uh, yeah. about like uh, yeah, can, criminal yeah. procedure or national security. And we're like, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Right, yeah, right, right, um, yeah. But the other thing is that like, this was something that I never really had a sense of growing up with even two judges in my house was how much federal, like how obsessed with the federal judiciary law professors are. And I hate to out you like this, but you're kind of one of them. That's you. <laughs> so welcome to the sh welcome back to the show. We've been on before, I think, with Leah Littman and Melissa Murray, right? And like, um, and so you've been here before. Hopefully, we'll have time to have you on more as like kind of, especially as we kind of move into the the decision season in June. Um, but welcome to the show. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. We are allowed to have you. Cheers. Well, cheers. Uh, cheers. Um, cheers. So tell us, so tell us what the, um, so tell us what's going on. Like, tell us what the and, last. And, and right. And also like whether we should support her confirmation or not. Uh, well, well, of <laughs> yeah, course, like, undecided voter. Really? You know, really I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 haven't, I haven't learned much about it. I mean, so I'm learning it as, as you are. Go ahead. Um, I keep an open I'm, mind. I'm totally on the fence, you know. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I kind of love the Supreme Court. It's very apolitical, uh, <laughs> and I, I really have to sit through this confirmation hearing to kind of figure out where I stand. Um, so, yeah. first of all, though, I do want to say thank you, Kate, for saying that I do real law because I, I <laughs> feel like well, I it's do really a comparative real judgment. Law. That's actually yeah, yeah, right. like I'm, yeah. I wound that up out of context. I, I didn't mean, really I, say that if you were listening to me. 
Well, you know, it's funny because like, I mean, I, you know, for, for folks who don't know what I do, like most of my work is very much in a right political history, legal history, institutional, you know, framework. And I, you know, I get into the doctrine, but it's never really like, hey, here's this theory of law. And so like, you know, I read a lot of law review articles. I'm like, yeah, that's a really cool thing that people were advocating for. And then I'm like, why can't I do that? So, you know, I might, I might need to venture into the, the real law space more often, but um, you know, I, 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 so I think, you know, first of all, um, you know, Judge Jackson's nomination obviously is just historic. Um, and, and I think first and foremost, like it just needs to be said how wonderful it is to see a black woman nominated to the Supreme Court. Um, you know, it's taken far too long to, to get here, but here we are. And I think that's a really momentous, um, you know, occasion that we're celebrating. Right. Um, you know, I, and I think a couple other things are also true. Um, you know, today the, was opening right of, of the nomination process, or I should say of the hearing process. And what we heard were basically many diatribes by every sitting member on the committee uh, about their views about everything under the sun from the 1619 project to, you know, Judge uh, Justice Kavanaugh's hearing to write the, write the sheer, you know, the sheer historical moment. Uh, that that they were witnessing. I mean, it was just all over the place. Um, although I, I do think that my home state senator, John Ossoff, did a really phenomenal job, as always, because he's perfect um, as a Senator Warnock. So, I mean, it can't go wrong with my my delegation. But, um, but, but you know, it just, you know, there really wasn't much there today that was enlightening. Um, Wait, did, 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 it, did it feel like Festivus? Like, yeah. Yeah, did, was it like an airing of grievances? And it would have been like Festivus, and, and it would have been amazing. Except, except I would have preferred if Chuck Grassley had engaged in the feats of strength. Uh, <laughs> that would have been a really informative moment, I think, for the country. <laughs> I. No, I don't. Do you want to like see Chuck Grassley like grunting to pick up things? I feel like that's actually <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Yeah, or do you, you just see, let, would you like it because he'd fail? Is that like well, the, the, the winner? The winner gets to decide what to do with the Supreme Court, I think. So, and then, you know, John Ossoff being the youngest in the room, I, I think that's how that would have worked. But <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. So, but, yeah. you know, it, there was just, you know, it was very much a, you know, airing of grievances or, you know, just kind of random thoughts of praise, which I, again, well earned and deserved, but you know, not terribly enlightening. And I, you know, I just think that what we have to understand, whether it was today or it's going to be, you know, how the next few days are going to go. These processes have always been political. They've never been right removed of politics. They've never been free from grandstanding. Um, you know, I think for the most part, with rare exception, have they ever been enlightening? Um, you know, maybe, maybe Bork, maybe, um, you know, but, but they're really just, these, these are kind of. Well, what makes you say boring. Bork? Because I think, well, there's some members of the audience who were definitely not born then, but I was also not born then, but oh, I have learned about it in like, in hindsight, but I do want to like hear you put a, put a kind of a, just give us a little explanation. I mean, I, like, I, I know it happened, but when you say that, like you, you mean like kind of like transformative, like what, why would you say that Bork kind of changed the nature of kind of confirmation oh, process? Now, oh, 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 that is the last thing I want to say. So let me be, cause I think that a lot of conservatives say Bork changed everything. And I, and I just think that's untrue. I think Bork was just different because 
of the tenor perhaps of things and maybe with media and you know right. uh, it's a, it's a, can we put a pin in that because that's a super important question that like i think feel like like requires us to compare that this situation with that and but let's let if if you don't mind just right. sorry let, i got let, i got like i saw a shiny funny like interesting thing that i wanted to talk about later but we can like let's finish talking about like the what the big moves yeah. in the room and put it in context you're right right and, and then but i love this idea about going back to like a kind of there's a mythology about bork changed everything you know like bork was the 911 so to speak, of, of confirmation. Work. I mean, which is so yeah. easy because he sounds like this, like his name sounds like the Swedish chef. Like, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 so let's get so 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 just just to just to um, uh, get us back. So, like you were saying that you didn't uh, that it didn't seem to be uh, much that we learned today. There's like grandstanding. Everyone got to say their piece and then this is was essentially a political uh event like all that all of the uh, all the other ones are i think that's how we got off on this yeah, i mean judge all right so judge jackson spoke for probably all of six to seven minutes maybe wow. Wow. um and, and at the very end um you know we we didn't hear much from the person we you know should be hearing from right um and so we got these opening remarks from, you know, everyone from Dick Durbin to Ted Cruz to, you know, Senator Kennedy pretending like, I don't know what he's, you know, his stick is anymore. Um, but, you know, they're, they're playing to their constituencies at home and their base at home. And that's not enlightening to write Judge Jackson's judicial philosophy or some of the questions um, that have, you know, that conservatives might have about, um, you know, her potential future on the Supreme Court. Um, and, and, you know, you get these random things lodged at her way, like Marshall Blackburn saying, you know, you're going to bring critical race theory into the courtroom, which is just a load of nonsense anyway, but there's no opportunity to respond or, or engage. And, you know, even when we get to that point, we we'll probably won't have much engagement anyway, just because of the nature of the hearings. But, you know, it, it, there was just zero light shed on her views, her perspective. And, you know, that that's, you know, I, I think the most moving part we had today was probably uh, Lisa Fairfax, um, who's, for folks who don't know, professor at Penn, uh, you know, life, you know, almost lifelong friend of, of Judge Jackson, you know, just gave this really moving uh, and I think, you know, very lovely introduction, you know, and, and maybe so maybe between that and her opening statement, we had 12 minutes worth of enlightening or interesting um you know uh, material that really shed light on the on the woman we need to be paying attention uh to and and that's i think that's a disservice to the country random random fact do you know that nate Persley has been friends with her since high school they went to high school together and are still very good are very close and are very good friends obviously he cannot come on to a little fun and talk about it but he obviously loves and supports her and thinks that she's wonderful but like um by all accounts that like that does like that i am um, i heard about that can we talk more about the blackburn thing because i will say from like the 15 seconds i had time to like um skim twitter between appointments today it was like blackburn a clip of like her opening statement which was like very like kind of gave me like goosebumps and like was very lovely a picture of her parents which was also really beautiful and i don't think i've ever seen two parents who looked like 
more beatific and proud. Um, it was just like kind of amazing. And then, um, and then just kind of actually some like some back and forth between between besides people kind of live tweeting what bullshit all of the statements were. There was a meta conversation about basically how this was all for not or like how what a waste of a day this was because you don't hear from from her at all. Um, and so like that last part, like how long do we expect these confirmation hearings to last? And is this what we're going to kind of be resigned to going forward with confirmation hearings, which is just like knowing what the vote's going to be and people allowing this as like performative moments of, well, we're all, ex we all think that this person is qualified. Like we know we can't actually take actual issue with her. Like, so we're just going to kind of use this to grandstand. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the Senator Blackburn stuff was just kind of one extreme. I think Ted Cruz was probably another. Um, you know, yeah, it's not very enlightening. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I think the standard procedure for these things, right, where you have, you know, three-ish days of hearings um, are important, you know, to some extent, because there have been moments, right, where something is said or something is brought up. And it, and it might be, uh, you know, something that, that raises some, um, might be a probative value, right, for a next round of questioning. Um, we saw maybe not this perhaps with Supreme Court justices, but we see it with lower like district court judges, right? Um, and we saw it particularly in the, the Trump uh, era where, you know, nominees of the district court were asked basic things about basic forms of procedure that they would encounter in the district court, you know, level and they had no clue what they were talking about, right? Which is somewhat troubling, um, you know, if, if you're there to have a lifetime appointment. I, I think on a for Supreme Court nominees, right? We vet these nominees so much um, and they are put through the ringer multiple times, often right before the United States Senate multiple times. Um, and I think that's a different issue we can discuss, right? Diversity of experience. Um, but you know, the, the trend of is late, right? Which is we, we, we elevate... Uh, folks from the courts of appeal, you, you know, you're, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to trip them up in that kind of same way. So I think part of it is the, or some part of the performative nature of it is, is kind of baked in the cake just in terms of nominees, not wanting to open up a Pandora's box and saying things that are stupid or that'll, that'll sink the nomination. And I think part of the issue is the fact that we're, you know, we're nominating folks with a greater degree of experience um, and, and so you're not going to be able to trip them up in the kind of basic ways that you might say, uh, you know, a first time nominee um, you know, or somebody who's not sitting on, on the federal bench currently. So I think I think there's different concurrent, you know, there's different forces at play there. And there's an interactive effect that, that we have to think about. Don't you also think, um, I mean, disagree with this, but that there's a whole generation that grew up after Bork um, uh, and like just decided that they were going to have a clean record in, um, you know, uh, and so like the only thing that they can scrape up on Judge Jackson is the fact that she did advocacy work for some Guantanamo detainees like, you know, and Ben wrote a great letter um, uh, what, uh, 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 um, rebutting those uh, objections. But I mean, aside from that, like, I, I kind of feel like I know people who 
play it safe because they expect to be, or they hope, not expect, but they hope. Um, do you, do you think, do you, have you encouraged, have you encountered um, people like that? And are you one of them? <laughs> oh, Lord, if they ever looked at my Twitter account, they would absolutely <laughs> confirmation. Um, you know, I don't think Bork ever really cared about what other people thought about him, right? You know, between the Saturday, you know, the Saturday Night Massacre and, you know, or his extensive writings or the positions he took on, on the DC circuit. I'm not really sure, you know, he ever really thought much about the consequences of, of those things. I don't, I don't know. Um, certainly I think people might, might do that. The, the downs, I, I think the real question is, is do we lose something by, by scaring people off in, in the sense of, um, you know, you'll never get a nomination through if you have these positions, right? I think often about Goodwin Liu and his nomination to the Ninth Circuit, right? Are you ever going to get a law professor who writes law review articles with, you know, maybe, you know, provocative ideas or who wants to question, you know, the status quo? Um, and maybe they later decide that, you know, their initial, inc you know, inklings were wrong and, you know, there, there is no problem, whatever. Um, are you ever going to get an academic on the court, um, you know, if, if that's the case? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I self-censor myself all the time on Twitter um, because I don't want I was. <laughs> I don't want it. I, I don't want it to be used against me. Just think, I mean, I don't think I'm going to get nominated to be on the Supreme Court, but I could. And I, I just like, I'm, I, I have to say, but I, I, I mean, I, I engage in self-censorship for precisely that reason. I was just gonna, well, okay, you're joking, but I was actually going to say that Sotomayor, for instance, I remember her specifically being critiqued during, while she was like coming through and review. Yeah. Her second circuit opinions, she had written very few majority opinions and like very few dissents. And had kind of like, I mean, it was just, she had played it safe in a lot of ways and a lot of people had said that she had always been doing that because there was this because she was afraid of being canceled no i'm joking that was just that was a joke but like like seriously that basically she but like i think a lot i think a lot of judges do kind of or have been known to do this like you either stake out a position on the left or the right or you i will never forget okay so i want to talk about bork a little bit more if we could and the myth mythology around him, because I actually think that this is super interesting because I also like him. Okay, I was actually alive when Bork was up. I don't remember this at all. Um, I don't remember Anita Hill hearings either. I don't remember like a lot of kind of things, but the Anita Hill hearings I heard about much like way before I heard about Bork, like, like just in terms of like kind of, and I remember Harriet Myers being nominated. Um, and so I do think that there's like, so there, we do have in like a number of times that like, there have been some controversy around confirmation hearings in like living memory. And like, we've now kind of, and I mean, never mind like Kavanaugh and everything like that. But like, I really do think that there is, I really do wonder kind of like whether or not whether that like let's just talk about the mythology like what the mythology is and like what conservatives try to like paint that as and then like whether or not how much we can put on bork 
how much is on Thomas? How much is on like other types I, of confirmation hearings? I, I let, let's probably talk about that, but also, <laughs> oh my God, I was in law school for the Bork hearings. Um, Were you? Uh, uh, oh my God. Yes. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. I'm. That's I'm, like a really. Uh, that's a really crazy. That you're never gonna forget that. Like, also, is that oh, what I, killed I, your interest in the Supreme Court? <laughs> no, I think what killed my interest in the Supreme Court was the Supreme Court. Um, okay. I mean, who the fuck cares? I mean, seriously, like they're not. They're they're not that smart. I, I just it's just kind of like it's just not that. It, let me back up up on the another it's like there are so many smart things to read in the world why do i need to read that um that's, that's I actually, just what i this is also like not to take not to like pile onto the supreme court also like anthony is going to totally come after us in a second as soon as we stop talking because he loves talking about the supreme court also that drink that's being made is not for me um but like, <laughs> uh, if you hear the ice shaking in the background um but there is but i will say this that i have the exact same thing and as an empiricist the thing that people were mm. doing and are still doing is like coding up like these like yeah. drivel wrists like kind of supreme court decisions no, that are just right. like it's they're right. just like they're and like as a critical like legal theorist i'm like these are all I just know. made up I, we all understand that they're making it up why are we pretending that there's like all of this rational rigor but, around this and all of these words mean this specific thing and that they're using them in this way that can be mapped okay so anthony so defend your defend yourself yes yeah, how could how could, what, why are you wasting your life on the court? Because, Please respond. Well, I, so I waste my life on with, you know, the court because they set down rules that govern us, right? Like that, like. That's I, a good I, point. That is a, Kate, you got to give, you got to give Anthony that. I think this sounds like a poll. I think we should make a poll. Like, hmm. like why, why do we care about the Supreme Court? Like, because nine Muppets. Or because it's like better, like you know. Actually, that's why isn't Jim Henson still alive? He should have made us before he died. He should have made us a Supreme Court of Muppets. I'm sure. You, I mean, there must have been. I mean, there must be some incarnation. But anyway, Anthony. I mean, have you like the the thing is that you you so I I I fully recognize. Although we can't, as scholars, of course, do debate how important the Supreme Court is in the sense that. Like, are they just following popular opinion and political opinion, or are they, you know, more on a vanguard? But aside from that, let's definitely let me totally concede that they're a very important judicial body. Um, do you find it intellectually exciting to read, like, um, Sam Alito's dissent or something? I was really worried that you were about to say something about Alex Bickle, and I was like, oh, do I find that to be exciting? No. No, 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 Alex, I mean, constitutional theory is super interesting. And I taught con law. I taught con law for about 10 years. So it's not like I don't think it's like intellectually. <laughs> I was about to have a counter-majoritarian difficulty moment. In my head. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, absolutely. I hate it. Um, do I find, no, I don't find the opinions all that interesting. And I, and I actually, what I really don't find is people's interpretations of the opinions all that interesting. Like when people say, well, no, that's not really what the opinion said. 
Like, yeah, Melvin, you have to say it. Are you, are you, are you not conscious in this world? <laughs> and they'd say to myself, well, what if what's happening in the outside world today? No, they read a paper, they're online. They're probably working on Twitter. Sam Alito has his stuff, right? That the, I forget what it was, but they said that the, the court, uh, the media, someone in the media office, like prints out Twitter comments for one of the, one or two of the justices. Like they're like, they may not be with it, but they're with it. And I- Please I, God, I, let that be Sam Alito. And okay. please God, let my tweets be printed out. <laughs> I will- I, I will become a religious Jew. I will become a religious Jew again. <laughs> if that turns out to be the case, I will dedicate. <laughs> Watch out, Scott. Well, you know, I, I mean, then again, I did, I've been alleged to be a cyber bully in terms of Justice Breyer telling him to resign. So, you I, like, you know. I Paula, 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 who's, who's, Paul has this great bit. Um, She's in the chorus today. Paula's in the Greek chorus and is yeah. a is a one L at Michigan. So we just gotta explain who Paula is. Okay. Scott, like, he doesn't know who Paula is. We know who Paula is. Yeah. Paula is Paula. Uh, in the Greek court. Yeah, she's at Michigan Law School and she's a one L and she's um our take like, her under a wig and she's great. Well, she's, she's got, got this great bit about how everyone's being how how the economy the ruble is being cyberbullied and <laughs> various things are being cyberbullied. So, but you, I, I, I don't, I, 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 I know your Twitter feed really well. You do not seem like a bully at all. So he bullied. Oh, he bullied the sh the hell. Wait. What are you talking total, about? Every day aside. he was like, wait, total aside. I, I had a, there was a very sweet law professor who I love who I had not met in person until a conference very recently. And she goes, you're a lot nicer than your Twitter makes you seem. <laughs> Just like, oh, shit. Um, you know, I, I, I think you seem very nice on Twitter, except um, except to uh, Briar. So that was, you know. Well, you know, the man just waited too long. But um, wait, what was the question? <laughs> the question, oh. the, I, yeah, what was the question? I lost it, but I think we were talking. Oh, we were talking about maybe like. Oh, we were talking about. If Bork. Bork was on Twitter now, would he print out his clerks print out Scott's tweets? Oh no, 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 right, no. That, that's how, that's how we that's how we got up the thing. So yes. so here so so the mythology of Bork right yes. is that like basically uh, presidents had the discretion to like get their guy through, um, and the other side kind of was supposed to just take it. And then at Bork, there was this unfair um, attack on the nominee and kind of upset the basic um, uh, equilibrium that the, that the president does it. So do, do, what, you, was, you, you, what was the attack though? Just, 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 just okay, outside the mythology. Just outside well, the mythology. Yeah. I mean, basically that he was a backwards Neanderthal, right? That, and, and that he was yeah, going to all these basic, you know, principles of rights. And I mean, he had written at one point about, you know, how, you know, bowling versus sharp wasn't necessarily, right? and that was a decision, right, where they de uh, the Supreme Court desegregated um, uh, D.C. public schools, like how that didn't quite make sense given the constitutional structure. And I mean, it's just like, 
Uh, no, not 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 great positions. And so he just, I think he got very, he got what was coming to him, right? Is he was just not mainstream. And if he had been, you know, maybe he would have been on the court. But to to kind of go back, I you know the the conservatives will often say, well, that's what upset the you know the apple cart, and it's ever ever since it's been terrible. And that's just not true. I mean, I've got I've got a a, a handful of nominees that um, you know that that Linda Johnson put forward that didn't get on the court. Um, now, granted, I don't Abe Fortas wasn't probably like the you know the greatest pick for chief justice given some things, but you know that you know that didn't work out in Johnson's favor because the New Deal coalition, which he relied upon, right, and which he was a part of, was falling apart, and members. You know, conservative members of the Senate, most of whom were Republicans, a handful who were Southern Democrats, blocked right blocked his nominees. Um, and, and you know, you could go back to the 1920s. Judge John Parker didn't get uh, the nod, even though he was, or he got the nod, but he didn't get the confirmation. Um, and it was partially because organized, you know, interests or and labor. I'm, st- I'm still, I'm still pissed about that. Yeah, who would it be? You know, but like, you know, that that yeah, was. I'm still. Uh, p- I, I'm still pissed about just that way. We got that, that we, we got that stolen. I mean, you know, don't get, don't get me, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, I mean, people are like, oh, well, court pack. It's like the same thing. Like, well, we've never court packed before. I'm like, do you know anything about the election of 1800? Would you like me to talk to you about what Adam <laughs> did to Andrew Johnson in the you know early years of reconstruction? Like, uh, Ulysses says Grant had a couple extra nominees for a reason. I mean, like the the the, the problem with American. Actually, let me scratch. I'm going to just say something that will risk my tenure, and I will never get a lateral offer. But like the problem with the illegal academy is the following: nobody understands history. They're they're just so caught up in the moment, right? And and they and the history they do engage with is is law office history, and it's bad. We have recurrent cycles in American, you know, political life, and and all we have to do. New is- poll: Should we cancel Anthony? Sorry, I was just going to say that I, I I do as a tenured faculty member have the right to revoke um, 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 uh, things if you're untenured. So speak. Be careful where you. I also, <laughs> I also didn't want to like up. You were like on a nice like cadence there. I didn't mean to interrupt, but like continue. But that was like, but yes, I think that you're on safe ground here. But we we just you know, there's just like everybody's an expert at everything all the time, and you know maybe that's just that's a law review issue. Maybe maybe it's training issue. I don't know. But like, if you just took some time, right, we would see that these patterns are recurrent. They're not new, right? Supreme Court nominations are not have not been magically polarizing and partisan ever since the late 1980s, um, right? Court packing is not a brand new thing. It didn't just start up with with FDR, right? Like, like we just we've always had these moments where the you know where the American public and certain members of you know the federal the the, the political branches seek out you know institutional arrangements that are new and try to redefine the roles of government. This is right. Every iteration might be different, right? It's not a pendulum per se, but they're recurrent patterns. So, um, you know, I, I this is the same. Right? It's the same tune that we've seen in you know American history. You know, since the time of the founding, um, the the conditions, the what's at stake, 
um, right? Those things change and evolve, but the, the fundamental dynamics often are not new if we just take the time to step back from the, you know, the immediacy of the moment, take some, you know, time to understand things in greater perspective. And then we'll understand that a lot of these things are not just, you know, they didn't just come out of the ether out of nowhere. They're in fact very much a part of the American political and legal tradition. Sorry, that, that, now I, now I feel great. No, no. I mean, you don't, I mean, you say, you say that, you say that. And it's like, what do you think I do with my days? Like all of my days are trying to like talk people off the ledge of like tech lash. And it's not that they don't, it's not that their emotions around these things are necessarily bad or wrong. Like they can have whatever emotions they want, but we don't have any descriptive, like there is, there are like all, we don't have much descriptive nuance in these systems. And when it does reveal itself, it does reveal basically what you said, historical repetition over time. And like, so like kind of always acting like something is totally new and out of the box is like a very, um, and then legislating from that position is very dangerous. Um, I agree. Yeah, I, I, um, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, not to take it out of the law but i mean it's like everyone's like russia invaded a sovereign country <laughs> like what <laughs> and, right and you're like yeah. where, where have you been the last 20 at least the 20 years like haven't we been talking about the forever wars in the united states so it does seem as if like people can keep two ideas in their head at the same time, like in general. And it's not, I think, a particular thing about the law or politics, though we see it most clearly that, but it just, it's like people, I mean, cognitive dissonance is difficult. People have a hard time believing things that are uncomfortable um, to believe in. And, but, but here, and here's where the great thing, right? Like that's what the three of us do for a living, right? Is to, is, our job is to think about those things which make people uncomfortable with the perspective needed, right? That that's, you know, that that gives, right? Or I guess that this is our search for truth that other people don't have the right that they're they're not thinking about when they're reacting to things in the moment. But you know, it's the legal academy does have a problem, right? Where there are too many people who constantly think about things only in the moment when it is their job to not do that. So again, I'm I'm now toast. So um, oh, I, 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 it's fine. I, it's fine. Yeah. I didn't need to hear anyway. Very, <laughs> you're I, a good I, company, friend. Yeah, you know, as an officer of the court here, I can, I can fully say I, that you I are. Also, yeah. There's yeah, also just fine. like you're always gonna have like, but like I actually like that about the academy. I like I think that there should be people that who are somewhat ideologue, even though it's anathema to me. Like, and I think that there are like that they are like oftentimes they're advocating for positions that I don't actually like that I agree with, but I don't actually like how they're getting there, if that makes sense. Um, but like I a lot of times have no problem with them pushing the vanguard in that way. And I would rather they did it than me because I would like to come in and kind of clean up like the mess and kind of like put in like better like regulation or procedures or kind of more nuance into a thing. And so like, but that's just like a very, I think that that's a, 
I wish that like, I think that the hardest thing, and I wonder if you guys would agree with this and then we're going to go to questions, but like, I think that one of the things about law and every time there's one of these Supreme court kind of confirmation hearings, it's like this thing that people really think that this is judging. This is like 99. This is like, this is the, like people, if people have a certain type of interaction with the law, that is like, frankly, from like kind of high crime areas or like lower, like their interaction with laws with, with like state and local judges. And if you are a certain level of elite, you have no experience with the courts except through something like the Supreme Court. And that that actually is kind of like a poisonous dichotomy. Those two things are so different and what they do is so different just as a matter of course of like what their job descriptions are, but also just like the funding for them is totally different. Like their jobs are totally, like there's just like a million things. And this is kind of why to not to get back to shitting all over the people who love the Supreme Court, but like that to Scott's like, I, I really like, this is the thing that bothers me about the Brett, like the, the focus on the Supreme Court at the illegal, in the illegal academy area which is that like yes they make these laws but like this is just only nine humans and there's all of this law that is happening to people and enforcement every single day at the state and local level that we are just like not paying attention to and is like changing people's lives every day in a much more frankly like cohesive way not cohesive a much less cohesive way but a much more profound way for sure than like um this kind of centralized look at like the supreme court for example i mean not to not to quote bickle but i will i mean you know or i paraphrase you know there there is something though about the supreme court right where it can kind of make us collectively stop in right in that hue and cry of the moment and kind of think you know about our values and, and the way that they relate to one another and, you know, what the constitution means and, you know, I, I, and what our political choices say about all that. I mean, I, I think there is, right, the Supreme Court is just salient enough to kind of bring a lot of these issues into focus for a lot of people in a way that you really maybe don't get with other, right, with other, um, you know, in other scenarios. So I, you know, and, and I think on top of that, right, is that these, they're, they're creating rules under which we all absolutely must live under to some extent, right? Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think, to me, it's not the obsession with the Supreme Court that I think is irksome. I think it's the obsession with the Supreme Court as an infallible institution that's the problem, right? They are fallible. They are right. It is, it's not the Pope, you know. It's not, you know. They're they're not whatever. Like they are just yeah. Well said. Well said. There's still just nine people. Nine people, and I think the other thing is, is that highlights some of the craziness in terms of how we select these folks, right? Now, I think education is important, 100%. Right? I think having a good legal background is important, but I think you know we need to have people who were state legislators for a while, or who are you know members of the Senate. You know, where are the Hugo Blacks of the world? You know, you know on, on the court, right? Who's got that experience. Uh, Justice Jackson, um, you know, had no legal education uh, formally. And I'm not advocating we go back to that. Um, but, you know, there is a set of experiences there. I I think. Wait, hold on. Wait. 
Wait, oh, hold on. Wait, Justice Jackson, not the current nominee, Jackson. Not no, not Judge oh, okay. Jackson. Okay, sorry. Not Just making Jackson. sure. I'm like, she had a, like, I'm like, okay, sorry. Robert Jackson. Um, you know, but, you know, state, you know, we've had governors. We've had all sorts of folks. People. I'm I'm a huge fan of Jackson. We should actually, Anthony, you should, do you know um, um, John Q. Barrett at all? Yeah, 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 he's wonderful. Obsessed. But his like work on Robert Jackson is like amazing. I love it. It's so great. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But I just was like, yeah, but, but, but judge, you know, but all of these experiences, right? You know, um, bring something to the table, and and I think right, like to me, we're missing something, or we're robbing ourselves of something if we're picking right. If we're basically picking folks from five schools, but really two. Um, who are all coming from circuit courts in the federal, you know, the federal judiciary. That's not, you know, helpful. People who have no legislative experience. Like I, like, like, for example, one thing that I think I'm very proud of in terms of how I approach law or teaching law that's different than a lot of other, you know, members of the legal academy is I have a lot of experience working in state legislatures drafting bills, right? And 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 advocating for, for legislation and, and working with folks. That teaches you something about statutory interpretation, right? Um, that you may not get if you've never had that experience. It's not traditional big law practice. It's not a federal clerkship. It's not some of these other things that we prize in the legal profession. But, you know, wouldn't you want somebody, I mean, I'm not advocating for myself now, but wouldn't you want somebody on the Supreme Court like me? Uh, <laughs> Well, now I've just, uh, you know, but like that to me. I call this the beginning of the show, by the way, yeah. by calling you by your initials. No, Sorry, but like, yes. Yeah, but we were, no, no, we've I, already I, had I, one in the K and that's enough now. We don't, we don't need another. So on the, on the court. So thanks. You know, Justice Kennedy appreciate a few of his opinions, but yeah, um, can't, can't do justice there. But, but I, but I think that, you know, again, at the, at the end of the day, there are, needs to be more things that we take into account for who we put on the court. What, what, a handful of the heuristics that we say, oh, they, they've got this, this, and this, they must be qualified. I mean, there are what, people who went to very elite law schools who are serving in the United States Senate right now, who I wouldn't trust, you know, to watch my dog for an hour. Right, right. But, but what about, what about um, just like as a hypothetical, somebody who hasn't practiced law, but has taught a lot of different law-like courses um, <laughs> like to be on the court no I, I don't like I don't that's great like I think that's also like you okay. know somebody has like I, I just think that like I have, to, we, I have to delete some of my tweets now by the way um, I, but, I, will, um, I will introduce you at your nomination hearing like I will I will I will, <laughs> I will be I and mean, I will do I will do justice by it too Life is long, Scott. You're like 35. But the other thing I'll say there is, you right, go. that's it, and that's the other. That's the other two two quick points I'll make because I know we got questions that you want to get to. But like one, we need term limits because I'm so sick of of doing this, and I I recognize I don't love it. But like, you know, there are people who are saying, well, Judge Childs, for example, from South Carolina, maybe we should give her the nomination. And and to me, it was just the repetitive comment of. Well, she's not, she's a little on the older side. And like, that's, that's irksome to me, right? That, that we have to play this game. Um, and, you know, the system we have is the system we have and you play it until the system get changed, is changed. But we're also losing something there because of the nature of the appointment process and how, or the nature of the appointment and how long it lasts. 
Um, and, and I think that we're also just, you know, maybe we need to have, and this is not a path to court case, although it's convenient, but, you know, having only nine is probably not the greatest either. You know, having a court of 13 or 15 um, members, I, I, right, you're going to be able to get a greater degree of diversity where no one or two folks are going to, you know, dominate anything. Um, now, I don't know if that's workable and I'm, you know, I'm just kind of off the cuff with 15, but, you know, having maybe 11 members of the court or even 13 might give some opportunity to, to bring some rich, richness to the, to the bench that we, I think, desperately need. The court is a ref, should be a reflection of the people it serves. And I, and I think what we do by putting it on a pedestal sometimes is forgetting the fact that this is a court that is a piece of the government, right? That serves us, but also governs us. And so they they need to look and think and reflect like us too. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just simple as that. Yeah, um, I think that's a great point. We have time for, Paula has two questions. So Paula, since we already talked about you, I guess it's only fit that we like let you speak for yourself. Um, but <laughs> Thank hi. You. Hi. Um, Are you wearing glasses? Is that why you're no, green square? I'm in that like different location, and I like don't want to like disclose okay. to the world okay. where I. Am. I was joking, Paula. It's fine. <laughs> you, you you don't you don't want that location to be cyberbullied. Exactly. Um, I got your so Twitter. I got your Twitter though, so I. I'll, I'll I did okay. So I was going to bring up your Twitter, by the way, because that was my first question. Um, is like, how do we have like actual legitimate criticisms of, you know, like a justice when like all the oxygen is being taken up by bullshit criticism, because like that graph that was put out by the White House today was quite frankly, really dumb. And like to say like an Ivy League law school, which there's no such thing as an Ivy League law school is like a distinction is like quite stupid and like it doesn't even match up with the other rankings of t14 like you just basically told all students in california that like your education is frankly worthless um so that's my first question is like what do we do when there isn't enough space almost it feels like to have those like important discussions and my second question is is so i'm a student at Umish, and one of the things I've been super grateful for is like my professors being willing to say like reading a SCOTUS opinion like this is dumb like some some of them read very dumb to be quite frank mm. but like that's a very insider thing for me to be at Umish and be able to say to my professor this opinion I think is written very poorly but I think from the outside we have this weird intellectual pedestal where like people outside of the legal community like I think would cringe at a 1L saying that a SCOTUS opinion is dumb if that makes any sense but like it, it's a very different thing to be inside of a law school and be willing to exercise you know those types of opinions and have your professor be willing to criticize or allow that type of criticism. So I'm going to, the first thing I would say is I'm a full advocate of having more Washington Lee law alums on the Supreme Court. Um, Justice Powell was not enough. So I'm fully with you um, there uh, in terms of like it's going beyond, you know, the few schools that we, we pick from. I, you know, I, I, I think all of this actually is interrelated, right? Which is, and, and I mean, both who gets picked and what schools they attend and how we package that. Um, and the kind of resistance to speaking truth to power, which I think, I think that's what our jobs are as academics, right? Like 
that's our entire purpose is to have some degree of independence because we're supposed to write to, to speak to something bigger and higher than ourselves. Except in the legal academy, we are obsessed, and this is then that gets kind of trans, uh, transfused into the legal profession more broadly. We're just so obsessed with the replication of hierarchy and just obeying hierarchy. Um, and then we were also beholden to that hierarchy because, right, I got to write clerkship letters. Like I've written clerkship letters for, for students to judges who I've been very critical of. And I think there's a fear and it's, it's legitimate, right, that some people have as well. If I, if I, you know, if I attack the Supreme Court justice repeatedly in public, um, you know, maybe, maybe that, you know, my clerkship pipeline is not going to, it's going to dry up now if I was teaching at a different school and I had a different personal pedigree, maybe I'd be more concerned about, right, am I mean to Justice Alito too much because I might have to write a clerkship letter to Justice Alito. I mean, I I think some professors have that concern and it's not something I would dismiss because they're, they gotta be protective of their students, right? Uh, employment outcomes and their professional careers. I, I personally don't have that problem right now. If I do later, we could revisit that. Um, but but I think that's part of the issue here is that we're just, you know, we're never, the legal academy is never truly free of the hierarchies that they produce. Um, you know, and it doesn't, and, and even with tenure, right, I think people are still a little bit, uh, you know, tethered to those those things. And you never want to critique certain schools or certain things because you don't want to be disinvited from things. And, you know, other, you know, other profession or other areas, uh, you know, professional schools don't work quite like that. But I, I think it's I think there's a core, more systemic problem, uh, you know, a certain degree of rot within our own, you know, in our own houses that we need to think about and address. Um, and I think, again, they're both kind of interrelated. But, but well, I like I, the faculty for, for being honest. Like, I, I think that's one of the great things about the faculty at Michigan is that there's just the, the truth is unvarnished and the opinions are, you know, they don't. Can I say one thing though? Like, I don't actually think it's super compelling to call things dumb. It's just not a very sophisticated argument. Like, like Paul, I get it. Like, maybe that's how you feel. But like, I frequently have students say things like start conversations in in class that are like, I feel like I like I feel like I understand. Like, I don't like. It doesn't really matter what you feel. Like, it's not about actually like your feelings say what it is specifically about and like there's a crispness about and rigor that you're trying to teach students it's also kind of true that like you're not like you can like it's not going to be a super compelling argument to go before a judge at any point in your career and say i think this argument is dumb like from the supreme court well, i don't have to like add nuance to that. i don't think that's what she's saying right like i, I think what she's saying is people like there are Michigan faculty there. I mean, there's probably more on Twitter than there are in the rest of the academy disproportionately, right? But there are people who are willing to say, this is atrocious, right? This is bad. This is bigoted. This is whatever. And right. And they'll maybe, and I'll do this, right? And I'll start off with like, this is a disaster in the making. And then there'll be two or three tweets where I kind of go through and say, well, what about this? And this is bad. And oh my God, it gets worse. And, you know, maybe I'm phrasing, like, I'm not, I think what maybe, she, and I don't want to speak for her, but, you know, there's no deference, right? Like, I don't give deference to the Supreme Court because of the Supreme Court. I don't sit there and say, well, maybe I'm wrong. And, right, like it's not the principal Skinner, right? Like, oh, you know, maybe I'm wrong or no, it's the kids. You know, I'm not having that interaction with the Supreme Court. I'm, I'm willing to say this is bad and here's why. 
And I think other people will tread much more lightly and say, well, you know, given the precedent, that makes sense. And maybe, you know, I can see how, and I just, I think there are more people who are willing to just not play that game anymore and not willing to say, you know, oh, the court is just doing its job. No, the court is doing the dirty work of someone, you know, of some political agenda. Um, and, you know, so if I were to just say that and drop it, not compelling, right? But I think the ability to say it is, is I think, important, right? Maybe. Not to put words in Paula's mouth, but show cyberbullying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, 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 think, I think that there's um, uh, several things to say. First of all, is that like, well, you know, insofar as you're teaching students how to think analytically, how are you not going to do that when you discuss a piece of legal analysis here you say does it make sense does it not make sense it's like there's no there's no way around that um number one number two is that there it is a very strange thing about the legal economy is is that like there is a kind of shuttling between practice and the academy um that makes it that that definitely it's tricky it's it's i i i, I it seems like it would be the case for any um, field in which the like, like philosophers aren't known for this problem, right? Of like being too obsequious to authority. Um, why? Because nobody cares what they think, and so they don't have to. They don't have to measure their what they say because not it's they're not going to not become the director of the of the congressional budget office. Um, because of what they said, so there is something there. There is something about the legal academy in the sense that they have such a deep connection to practice that that puts a cap on it. Now, I think that there are people like uh, certainly me who has no aspirations for anything other than like just like being professor, which is really the only thing I can do um barely um so i don't have to worry about what i say um and he he will never be a professional mushroom gatherer you know that see that's the thing is that that was a low blow um you know we try to have fun we make we joke around you see i'm joking around with anthony we're joking around with you and then you got to bring this up um it's wow oh my god it's 559 it's really late um i know it like really slipped away really fast i know but yeah, hold on finish I'm, what you were gonna say god i don't even remember what i was gonna say i'm so upset i mean i i lost my train of thought um, i know you were saying that like the legal academy has two obligations like there is the obligation I, 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 to like to like right. to like to basically like teaching analytical thought and then there's the the of that, that like that, it's like that, it's that, both like it's like it's a it's a weird thing because you're also teaching them to turn it in. You're teaching them the the mechanism of analytical thought in the moment, and then you're teaching them to turn it on itself. And so that's there's like it's like a very it's actually a very fragile thing I think to kind of like do, and it's one of the problems I, with like I, one of the difficulties I, I, in teaching. I think there's no question about that, and I will just say um, there's the issue of like criticizing the court and, 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 and judges. And then there's the issue of like 
do you criticize your colleagues, like literally people on your faculty? Um, that's also another thing, um, especially like on a faculty like mine where people are constantly taking public positions whether they want to hear it or not. Um, and so like you got to kind of address address those things too. So it, it's, it, it's really tricky. I, I mean, I assume that Kate, it seems to be the case. I, 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 you, do you have any ambition for higher office, Anthony? No, so so in I some got, sense we're <laughs> right. So in, in some sense we're so it's a the ethical issue doesn't even arise for us because it really it's does not, take us out of things. Like deciding yeah. at a point in your life, like that you're not going to do this anymore, is actually very freeing. Um, yeah, but but there I think there are people though in the legal academy like, who do try to serve two masters, right? Where they you know, I, you know, oh, I'm a professor, but I'm also going to advocate in front of the court or I'm going to, you know, drop these amici or I'm going to develop, right, these these strong relationships and hope that they like I'm going to, you know, be the, the clerkship person, you know, and and, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I don't want to. I mean, I'm relatively new to this gig. Right. But to me, you know, it's hard to 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 satisfy the, the core requirement, the core the core mission of being an academic. Right, which is to speak truth to power and to be on the search for truth when you are beholden to right the structures of power to get you know wherever to get either where you need to be or to get where you know you're to help get your, your students and that's the more sympathetic argument right for me is is to help get your students where they want to be and i think that just really puts a lot of professors in a really you know not so great predicament where you know maybe they're going to hedge on on what they think, you know, and and, and right. you know, what kind of you know stuff they put out there, not because they they don't believe it, but because they're afraid of the consequences for you know themselves yeah. or or their students. And I think that's that's yeah. no. And this would be like a fascinating. We have to we have to wrap. Up. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this like it would be a fascinating conversation at some point because the other thing that's happened simultaneous to our coming into academia and like. Uh, that differs strongly from when Scott entered academia, I think, is the law, like the 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 move away from people who had clerked on the Supreme Court just automatically having or applying yeah. for roles in entry level academia. And like the last entry level market for clerks, and this is all centralized, a very centralized process on clerks for entry level, I think had like two Supreme Court clerks on it. And it was just like insane. Like, and like, there are like a bunch of repercussions for that, both to, to how you're learning the history of the court, how you're understanding it. And also like kind of everything that you're saying. And I think that's like insanely correct. Um, this has been really fun. This was not really about KBGJ at all. <laughs> like, sorry, but apologies. I mean, it kind of seemed like it couldn't be because today was like a nothing day in which we just kind of watched a lot of politics play out. And so we had a larger conversation about the politics around the Supreme Court and the Academy. And I actually think that, that was super valuable. And I feel really great that we were able to free fall into a conversation like this, like not knowing ahead of time what was going to happen. So thank you for yeah. like being open to that and like kind of walking into this with open eyes, like awesome conversation for the last hour. Thanks, friend. Um, Thank you. Okay, so we will be back on Wednesday. Um, it will be Ben and Genevieve. I don't know who they have up for us. Um, that will be many hours from now. Um, and until then, Scott? We can't have fun anymore, but we can have 
the future Justice AMK, the notorious <laughs> AMK. Um, yeah, uh, the, you could just the be like AMK plus plus or something. We'll like figure out a way for you to like. You could be like 